Hi, everybody. Um, right, I'm on my own tonight with just Gaz in the back room. Uh, that's because Sean is feeling a bit under the weather and Chris is inundated this week with Press TV Palestine declassified shows. Um, they're recording, pre-recording a lot of them while they move studios. So it's just us chickens in the coop. And tonight we're going to be talking... Those on the left, in the know, uh, those of us who've been fighting this privatisation of the NHS since, well, I've been fighting it with others since 2011. So, and I'm pretty sure it, it's been going on since Thatcher's years, if not perhaps since the, since the conception of the NHS itself. It's been fought against uh, by profiteers. So tonight we're talking to Bob Gill and Nico Sego. And to, can we bring Bob in first, please? Hi, Hi Lizzie. Bob. Well, tonight's really got to be about what you've got to say and what Nico's got to say. So I won't interrupt, just launch. Well, thank you for inviting me. Um, so many of your listeners and, and viewers may be aware that massive uh, health legislation has been passed. It went into law in at the beginning of July, the Health and Care Act 2022. And what this does, it completes the uh, legislative series to get us from the NHS as a public service to the NHS modelled on the American publicly funded service, which is managed care. And you know, this is a conclusion of the Letwin plan, and it achieves several major things. One is to break the NHS up into 42 new entities, new legal entities called integrated care systems. The name keeps changing, but these are modeled on the American managed care system. And what in, what in fact it reduces the NHS to is a funding stream and a logo. So over time, the delivery of service and the structuring of services will be um, essentially totally privately operated. So you will in due course have at, at the moment NHS uh, run and controlled hospitals taken over by private interest, uh, large capital funds. These will become tradable assets. In fact, you could describe the integrated care systems as a massive public-private partnership. The public provides the money and the private sector run the system for profit. And how will the profits be generated? Well, the profits are going to come from primarily the denial of care. And what this means very crudely is if you need an operation, if you need access to emergency care, that care will no longer be available. Your A&E department will be uh, downgraded to an urgent care centre or you may lose it altogether. So they are restricting access en masse to services. You may find in one integrated care system, they decide to totally abolish the provision, publicly funded provision of, let's say, fertility services, for example. Now, where will patients go for that treatment in that area? Either they do without or they have to pay privately. So that, that is the system that um, the government have completed in terms of legal changes, but there's not a whisper 
uh, on mainstream news. There's nothing coming out of the Labour Party, I'm afraid, to explain what's going on. So it's up to us and, and, and Resistance TV to try and get the message out. What else does the, this new legislation do? It removes the right to national pay bargaining. So in due course, the workforce will be transferred over to the ICS operator and they will be able to decide the terms and conditions of their staff. And they will also decide on what type of staff they employ. So it also contains an element of deregulation. That means you, you can employ less qualified staff to do the job of previously well-qualified staff. This is a process called downskilling. Now, there are obvious patient safety issues when you reduce the skill and experience of the workforce. But if you're running a business to maximize profit, well, it's cheaper if you employ less qualified people and if you drive down their terms and conditions. And that's what's been happening across the public sector. There's also a, a removal of a legal protection on discharging vulnerable people. They call it a discharge to assess system. Now, what that means in plain terms is the ability to dump sick elderly people at home before you secured any support for them. So this is replicating the American patient dumping system that you know some of you might have seen uh, on YouTube or in the film Sicko. So there are many toxic elements to, to the, the latest reform, but in terms of government and opportunism, they have hidden this, they have driven this through on the back of the pandemic, dressing it up as a response to the pandemic, but these are plans that predated the pandemic. So we now have an NHS which has been significantly affected by the, the toll the pandemic has taken, uh, a pandemic that was extremely expensive and very badly handled by government. They also took the opportunity to further shrink NHS capacity. And let's not forget, they bailed out the private hospitals, many of which would have gone bust without government bailout. Now, what is the solution for some of the consequences? Uh, well, we have a massive growth in uh, waiting lists for elective care. Uh, they were going up before 2019 struck, but they have accelerated. The solution for this is to create standalone, uh, privately operated surgical units. Now, you might, you might expect a Labour Party committed to uh, a public service to speak out about this. But in fact, this has been endorsed by Wes Streeting. He's quite happy to rehash the policy that Alan Milburn and Tony Blair got away with in the 2000s, dressed up as the private sector, offering as a helping hand to deal with waiting lists uh, for the public good whilst we build up capacity. But that build up in capacity never happened and never will happen because the political will isn't there and the business model that we are following doesn't suit that solution. So, you know, you may have seen recent reports of tens of thousands of deaths of people on waiting lists. We had the Royal College of Emergency Medicine report, which uh, estimated around 5,000 people have died in overstretched A&Es or in the backs of ambulances waiting to get into hospitals or languishing at home waiting to get an ambulance which is waiting outside ready to drop off a patient. 
So the system is in meltdown. Thankfully, we're seeing some pushback from the staff. The junior doctors are demanding a pay restoration, which the right-wing media are painting as a greedy, excessive demand. Uh, but what they're what they're actually asking for is to restore where their pay may have been before the decade of austerity kicked in. And that's that's what's happening at the moment. And I'm delighted to see how successful uh, Mick Lynch has been in terms of making very clear, simple arguments for the protection of workers' rights, which other unions, and particularly the health unions, have been utterly <coughs> pathetic to this point in terms of getting those messages across. And the effect on patient care, well, you know, you have staff burnout, you have growing problems in terms of staff recruitment and retention, and, you know, patients accessing services getting more and more difficult. And, and I think the records are being broken in terms of the delays for patients to be getting admitted into hospital, being treated in corridors, uh, getting substandard care. So there, unfortunately, we have the perfect storm of mass preventable harm and death of patients on the back of a catastrophic pandemic, which the government's own policies led to an estimated excess of 100,000 preventable deaths. So, you know, that's a summing up of where we are and where we're going. And how will this pan out? Well, as people realise that the NHS is no longer the service it used to be, more and more people are actually paying out of pocket. That has reached uh, record levels. If you compare us to similar economies, since the 1990s, the number of people paying out of pocket for medical care in this country is fast approaching those seen in America. So we have people having to opt out and find alternative uh, ways to seek uh, attention and operations that they need. So that is already happening. There is a lot of discontent amongst uh, patients to access general practice services. Now, you may remember that uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, rather than using the primary care workforce to be an effective triage system, GPs were stood down and told not to do anything, abandon all elective work and not to get involved in the COVID response. Now, I believe that was a big trap set by government. I personally re refused to follow that advice issued by NHS England. I kept my doors open with mitigation. And thankfully, I didn't see the massive workload problem that a lot of practices have seen. But by following this uh, self-harming advice, GPs have unwittingly severely damaged their reputation. And some of the services that have built up, the demand has built up. People are still struggling uh, to get on top of. You know, reputations take a very long time to gain and are lost very quickly. And I'm afraid that, you know, there's been a significant damage uh, to that part of the NHS that most people access on a daily basis. Um, so, you know, that is that is the current situation. So patients will either do without care, find themselves a victim of a postcode lottery, or indeed an individual lottery based on health information that is now increasingly coming under the control of American insurance operators, such as United Health. One development quite recently, United Health, America's biggest private insurer, 
that you would think would have no interest in a publicly run and publicly funded health service recently bought out the biggest GP patient data platform, EMIS. So now American insurance company have access to most of the GP records of patients in this country. EMIS has also been on the uh, takeover um, journey. They have recently acquired a company called 14Fish, which is a platform used for GPs for their own appraisal and for junior doctors wanting to become GP to store their information and their assessments on this platform. So you have an American company via a company that it's bought off, having access not only to a vast amount of GP patient records, but also details on the staff that are employed within primary care. So this is a huge development. Um, since I last spoke on this program, we had a reasonable panorama expose of the antics of Centene, which is another private insurance company, but happens to be the biggest private uh, primary care provider in the country, having taken over other GP practices, practices I might say, where, which were run by entrepreneurial GPs who have cashed out of the NHS and dumped their patients to be victims of a system run for profit by employing minimum number of doctors and blocking access to care. That is the pattern. That is, will be the cookie cutter pattern for general practice across the country. Because we now are now in a situation where doctors can't cope, G, uh, patients are getting frustrated, staff are getting burnt out, and the solution that will be presented to them is replicating the Centene model across the country and becoming absorbed into this managed care system, which, as I said earlier, will be dominated by private operators. Um, and I was sent I was sent a message today uh, from somebody who observed an ICS board meeting where a lot of the talk was replacing current primary care provision with voluntary services. So you have a huge watering down of access and quality of care. And, and this is what people need to get, get their heads around. You know, we're in a cost of living crisis. And on top of that, when people are at their most vulnerable, this government, this sociopathic government is taking away their health care and there's nothing on the news. Wow. Oh, wow, Bob. Um, I, mean, I, I knew all this, but it's still absolutely shocking that, you know, we've been fighting this and we still haven't won. Can we bring Nico in? I, Nico has a different, uh, well, slightly different perspective, perhaps, to you, Bob. Uh, Dr. Bob Gill is a GP, uh, whereas Nico is an activist and has been an activist for many years. So can you can you just tell us what you make of what Bob's just told us? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, um, yeah, I think Bob's a GP and activist, if I don't know. But... You know, I can say, among other things, and uh, a lot of us started around the same time, like you, the 2011-2012 introduction of the, the previous act. Anyway, um, my focus has been on the Labour Party uh, in trying to um, organise. Basically, it's it's only happened around conference, um, but conference has 
for what that's worth, uh, repeatedly said that is opposed to uh, uh, the whole process of uh, the introduction of um, what's now called ITSs since um, 2014, over several years, we voted to oppose it. And that was overlooked um, because the, um, and I find it, the history. So over these last 10 years of, you know, being involved in campaigns, you hear, you read stuff, you hear stuff. And I was mentioning earlier when you were chatting, uh, sometimes very big gaps between the, the narratives, even the narratives that come up from, you know, the leftish organizations and the stuff that you find out and you think, well, first of all, from the, within the Labour Party, what the, what the Labour Party was saying about what the Tories were doing missed out so much. Um, but anyway, over time, uh, I've learned and seen and looked for myself for you know, more evidence in Hansard and places like that and watched the video clips of it. And uh, the, the talk about this model, the ITS, HMO, ACO model, which Bob mentioned uh, making money by denying care. Well, I, I think it's worth going over this definition that you have a group of bodies, uh, public, private, healthcare, social care, whatever they are, uh, with one budget pulled between them and whatever they can cut from that healthcare budget, in fact, the healthcare budget, whatever they can cut from spending on healthcare, they get part of that to keep for themselves. So they are in their own language incentivized to make these cuts or savings or in, in for someone from somebody who also attended i don't know if the same person or somebody who attended a, um, an icb uh, integrated care board launch the other day the language was you know that they would uh, do right by the taxpayer so that that's that's a way of telling you that they're taking away your services and making it sound like they're doing you a favor that's what that is but it is and but it, and it's and that they're describing that they're describing the fact that that's their function. Their function is to make savings. And I'll, I'll bring up again because in terms of what can we what can we do and what can we not do, you know, this is where this discussion was framed. So uh, it, there's, I think there's it's important to know what you can't do as well as what you can to get a clear idea of you know where it's worth doing something, where it isn't. And, um, to yes, yeah, to understand that this is the function of one of these bodies. Um, oh God, to understand that this is the function of, of these bodies is, is helps you helps you understand what you're dealing with. So, so once you understand that this is this is what's what they do, they take the budget, they cut something from it, and they and they get to keep part of that. Uh, when they say things like, you know, we're 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 going to you know do right by the taxpayer or whatever, or we're going to be efficient, or um, when they're, they're talking about bodies coming together to improve services, I mean, this means improving. Implicitly, the context is improving so-called efficiency, and this efficiency is uh, spending less on healthcare, yeah. and, and in fact, it means providing less healthcare. And yeah, and profiting, and so, profiting themselves. Yes, yes, but and here's a thing that I think is being missed by a lot of campaigns, even if it's a trust. Which and when when trusts came out, Jeremy Corbyn said every hospital becoming some kind of company. That's how. And what labor opposed all that and people clear about that now people talk about trust like they've they've normalized yeah. it like it's yeah. the nhs and it wasn't created as the nhs it was created as something that was split off from the nhs and there were a lot of arguments about that at the time and even though time has passed that hasn't changed you know that hasn't disappeared so uh, whatever body it is if it's a public body or not they still work on the basis of being rewarded financially 
which, which, which you could call profits. And the, the Linda Pino, who, who's interviewed in the Michael Moore film Sicko, and she talks about, you know, famously, she talks about having uh, denied a man an operation that could have saved his life and caused his death. And she went up, went on to getting six figure sums from a measly salary. She's talking about that, about being rewarded for cutting care, right? And she, she in another separate interview I've mentioned elsewhere um, in Democracy Now!, she says that it's, she worked in nonprofit organizations in the States, what, what are considered nonprofit over there, which isn't the same as a public service, but they weren't working, that wasn't their main objective, that wasn't their objective. And uh, they call them savings, and the company would call it profit, but it's the same thing. She says it's two, just two different words for the same thing. Structurally, you get money when you cut. You get to yeah. keep it. You get to keep it, and maybe you say you invest it in services. They're going to be smaller services because it's going to be taken out from from the A and E that you used to have, and that we had as a right, and yeah. that this, we ha and that healthcare had to be nationalised because only the state could do this kind of stuff because it's not profitable. And make to make sure, for example, this kind of stuff, make sure we all had a a, a district general hospital that we could access with an with an A and E, a real A and E. As David Cameron once said, an A&E that's open 24 hours that you don't have to drive hours to get to when David Cameron was opposing this, that Tony Blair was doing it, pretending to yeah. oppose it. It's amazing to watch that footage because he's talking about the things that are happening now. And there were quite a lot of debates <laughs> happening then, which are now we consider we have to yeah. listen to somebody who's a specialist. But a lot of people, people were just talking about this then and they're not talking about it now. And, and a lot of the campaigns aren't talking about it. And people who used to be talking about it under, under Blair aren't now. So there's, there's a whole, it's not just individuals decided not to talk about it. There's a, there's a, there's a phenomenon of a narrative that has uh, basically not been challenged. And, um, yeah. and the fact that labor, um, labor worked on this Labour developed this with companies like United Healthcare and Kaiser Permanente in the UK, in England, but don't think that Wales and Scotland are, are so far behind because they aren't. And they, um, and they, they developed this and, and you can hear or read Lord Warner in Parliament saying that the Kaiser Permanente, the, the company that invented this scheme that you would get rewarded for making cuts, um, model uh, they made their money in particular he said they um it had turned a phrase basically it meant they were profiting you know that they could flourish in the market within the market that's the way he yeah. used, uh, by reducing the use of inpatient hospital care because it's not profitable so yeah. um well so it, I, i'm so, sorry to interrupt you there but yeah, i'm, wear, sorry, I'm wary of the fact that uh, bob has to leave us oh, um okay shortly so bob what do you say to people who are just accepting the loss of their accident and emergency uh, at their hospital? In fact, losing their hospital altogether, having to travel 30 to 50 miles to for urgent care. Uh, what, what do you say to these people? What can they do? Is there anything they can do? Sure. I, 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 our biggest hurdle is lack of public awareness as nico rightly says the people who should be shouting loud about this the labor party the unions the uh, professional bodies they have been essentially co-opted in this betrayal and the only way we're going to get the word out is you know programs like this by you know pointing people in the right direction in terms of resources because this is quite a staggering thing for people to get their head round 
especially if they're hearing nothing from the news. So we have to shatter that wall of ignorance. That's the first problem. The next thing is, if you're if you're a member of any of these organizations, if you're a Labour Party member and you believe in the NHS, you need to start asking serious questions about your leadership. Why are they not coming out strongly against Americanization of the NHS? Which, let, let's not forget, will be more expensive if you add in taxation and individual costs, which will have worse outcomes, which, ha which will have a massive negative effect on our already struggling economy. You know, something Warren Buffett described, the, he described the American health industry as a parasite on the economy. Now, this is a mega capitalist describing the insurance-derived model of healthcare as a basket case. Why are we copying this? Why aren't the Labour Party opposing it and explaining it? And if you're in a health union, you need to ask your union reps, why aren't they explaining this to you? So get involved in your professional uh, organizations or you know wherever you have a voice you need to make yourself heard if you don't feel confident about what you know watch michael moore sicko watch the film we made uh, the great nhs heist you know there's a website your nhs needs you i've been um you know happily helping them with some of the information that they're, they're using there are resources out there but unfortunately, Nico's a bit more generous in his uh, interpretation of this. I believe a lot of the campaigns are compromised. Just as the Labour Party was compromised, you had a democratically elected leader, you had a handful of genuine socialists, and you had the whole party apparatus against the will of the people. That's yeah. similar. Why should it not be any different within campaign groups? So I, I don't think this is a problem of interpretation. I think this is a problem of co-optition and astroturfing. So we have to get to the truth and spread the truth and demand more of your leaders, whatever format that takes in. And finally, we all have a voice. We can all get some simple messages out of what we, you know, we're hearing tonight and, you know, interact with whatever uh, means of media there are there. So... National radio stations, it's very easy to pick up the phone and challenge some of the right-wing propaganda. The more times people hear American takeover, the more times people hear for-profit medicine, the more times people hear about what we've said, which is denial of care. Profit through the denial of care, the, the better chance we have of reversing this horrendous tide of privatization that will risk a lot of lives, I'm afraid. Thank you so much, Bob. And uh, I can only echo, sorry, sorry to the audience and everybody. I seem to have uh, developed hay fever, never had it in my life before. But so I apologise for my sneezing and my hanky. <laughs> um, so to be succinct, uh, really, we must all start fighting for our NHS and you know, Jeremy Corbyn, we were saying earlier, Jeremy Corbyn was smeared to get him out of the way. People who were in the Labour Party at that time have been thrown out of the Labour Party by any means necessary, smearing, lying about them, same as they lied about Jeremy Corbyn, same as they've lied about you, because we're telling the truth. And they the elite or the establishment or the profiteers 
don't want people to to realize because the threat that we posed when Jeremy Corbyn became leader of the Labour Party was that we were going to rise up and we we all learned that that we are actually a lot cleverer than they give us credit for and we all realized what they're actually doing is lying and smearing people lying about people and smearing people so yes when you're told that oh don't listen to nico don't listen to bob don't listen to resist no question that whenever you're told not to listen to somebody that's the point at which you say do you know what i'm going to go and listen to them because you know we like like you said we and bob I know that you and I have been on all the protests, all the marches, and have we made a single solitary change? Probably not. But we can't stop. We really can't stop. And everybody has to step up, don't they, now? Final word to you, Bob, because I know that you have to go fairly shortly. You know, I, I echo everything you've said there. Um, keeping quiet isn't an option. You either you either fight now or you sit back and wait until a loved one or yourself needs care and you don't get it. And yeah. I put it to you: it's better to fight while you have the strength to do so. Um, and you know, wherever you can get this message out, that's what needs to happen. I'm willing to share the platform with anybody who disagrees with my analysis. Nobody steps forward, I'm afraid, because they don't want to be challenged and you know anybody any of my critics if they want to come up on a panel with with yourselves and discuss where they disagree with my analysis i'm happy to do it and if they don't want to step up well they need to desist with the smears yes exactly and i i can echo that as well you know the the thing is that all we heard in 2011 was that, no, they weren't selling nurses' homes off and hospitals off uh, for profit. They were doing it because they needed more money to pay for the, what were they called, those contracts that Blair got all the hospital, brand new hospitals built Private on. Finance initiative. PFIs, yes. So, but, you know, we were told that PFIs were good. And now look at it. Now look at our nurses being charged to park at the hospitals because other countries own our car parks in hospitals. All of our, all of our hospitals are closing. We can't get an appointment with a GP. Yes, the pandemic um, seemed to be responsible for that, but in fact it wasn't. It was the plan all along was to reduce the doctor and now you talk to the receptionist who's not qualified at all to judge whether you should be seen or not. If not, ring 111, isn't it? You know, who, who who's staffed by physiotherapists, you know. What do physiotherapists know about GP's business? They don't. How can they, you know, get you the help that you need? And also... Well, I'll, I'll shut up because I get so angry about it, you know. So, Nico, what do you think? Is is there one thing that ordinary people can do? Uh, yes, I think, well, 
I think that a starting point is to have a clear idea of what you're up against. And that has been missing. And I think it's been missing because there hasn't really been left leadership on it. And because in the case of the Labour Party, we had a Labour Party that opposed this policy direction, the Tory policy programme, which had come out from a Kuango, NHS England, but was also in the Tory manifestos, um, only while Diane Abbott was Shadow Health Secretary and when yeah. she opposed the so-called sustainability and transformation plans, which are part of exactly the same process, which, which has become law now, mostly after the effect. And so the narrative that began with Jeremy saying uh, that the aim was to renationalize healthcare, which I guess is a bit redundant, oh, sorry, renationalize the NHS, but anyway, renationalize healthcare. That was the right, the right um, starting point for a narrative about the entirety of what policy was around the health service. And Diane Abbott was true to that. And she uh, worked with organizations that have been researching this and brought it up in parliament and was jeered uh, much more than even she, the most attacked of the MPs normally is, uh, you know, from what I could, from what I had heard, it was, they were really riled. And, and the point is by doing that, she was going against everything that Labour policy had been up till then. Even under Jeremy, Heidi Alexander's on interview saying how Labour supports the five-year plan, which became the legislation now. Uh, and she's asked about, you know, you've fought against the closure in, um, what's her name, um, Lucian Hospital. Um, you know that these plans will mean closures. And well, she says, well, you know, um, we basically we've got to come up with a story and take the public along with us. And there's all this extra land apparently and all these extra buildings we can do something better with. She was just completely going along with it. And so it was only at that point. So, so we, we're lacking that, we've lacked that. There have been chinks of light here and there, you know, Howard um, Beckett's campaign uh, called this out and so on. So anyway, go back, back, into, back to the point. I want, I want to try and focus and answer the question that you asked about urgent care as well. To know what an accountable care, uh, integrated care system, whatever the name is given to it at any given time, is that it's a group of bodies around a budget and they're told, whatever you can cut from this, you get to keep a bit of that. So, and it's not random. So the urgent care, the, the getting rid of A&Es and uh, replacing them with an urgent care centre. An A&E cannot be run for profit. An urgent care centre is a model designed for profit that won't treat you in serious cases that can do relatively minor injuries so they're creating that profit opportunity and you've got organizations uh, totally plc you can see them interviewed their bosses on youtube and they're going on about how um you know the nhs is outsourcing all that and isn't it great and really exciting and of course <laughs> they're outsourcing it because it's a model designed to make money out of if it wasn't, then it would still be an A&E where, where it had been and no longer is. And so when people are losing the A&E to something like this, it generally isn't framed as that. It's, you know, there isn't enough money or it would be better if you went to the other place, it'd be better for you. Um, Caroline Malloy was on a, from the editor of, of Open Democracy, which has written very well about this stuff over the years, uh, said, you know, I'm sick of being told that it's good for my health to be to have my to have my hospital closed down or you know have it, have your services taken away. But that's what essentially what people were told, and so that we really needed a narrative, and it took, that when we had a left leadership that cared about the NHS at the head of the party, that really focused on this, said this is being done for profit, 
you can see why the one thing isn't profitable and the other thing is and we're, we're talking about a, a reduction that's been that was announced as going from about 144 acute hospitals in 2013-14 to uh, between 17 only 40 40 being roughly the amount number of ICSs that is about one for each ICS so um, this has been lacking if you don't have this if you don't understand that nobody has told you in fact everybody's saying or you keep hearing that, that the closure of your local A&E is due to a local issue is due to a funding issue is due to a staffing <laughs> issue is due to something else how do you fight the real thing that it is without knowing what it is so yeah. it's essential to read up on uh, and so, democracy uh, has covered the stuff Alison Pollock um, there's a there's Stuart Player uh, Alison Pollock. Alison mm. Pollock um, wrote. She wrote something, didn't she? Um, what was that called, Nico? Remind me. A lot of things. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Well, the first thing that she wrote that she read out everywhere. You mean her bill? Yes. Yeah, she had. She had the only bill that was written. Uh, for healthcare renationalization. So there wasn't, there wasn't any other legislative proposal to do that. And it's what it, it's what it was aiming to do. So I've heard, you know, it's been some yeah. criticisms, but there was no other bill that aimed to renationalize healthcare. Um, but, but Alison has, you know, and, uh, I'm going to talk about her writing. She's, she's written about the influence of Kaiser Permanente over the years. She was vilified by New Labour at yeah. the time they tried to destroy her career um yeah. and not she called that pfi and and again sorry this is another point i really think it's important that in terms of you know having been involved in campaigning and the, th and, and the things you don't hear about a lot is that you used to hear about destroying the health service in order to uh, create profit it used to be part of the language of campaigning and that kind of waned a bit that oh. understanding that you do need to and if so i think it's clear if you can understand that if 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 you had a service that covered everyone for everything, that provided that universalized the best care, you've got everything for everyone. If you're a private company, you want who are you going to give, who are you going to sell care for? Never mind who pays you, whether it's the state or the people themselves. Who is it going to be for? Everybody already has care. Thank you very much, all the care they need. So basically, you have to remove that in yeah, order to, to be create, able to, to create profit. To, to have an opportunity to, to create profit, to have somebody to provide the care, whatever care it is for. And the companies don't do the stuff that the state could do because they need to make a profit. And so they, they don't do the unprofitable stuff. So that's where you get urgent care centers instead of A&Es. You don't get the full stuff. You, you want, that's why the destruction of the service. And this is where the ICS ACOs come in because they are incentivized, they are rewarded for doing that, for taking away the service. So people are focusing on if there a private company involved or not. And it's important, but it's the main focus is the fact that you're losing the service and that the, the institution is designed. It has institutionalized that destruction by rewarding them. So the government can say, well, they're just doing what they have to do within their own systems. And, you know, no matter how much funding you give them, they're still being paid to take away services. Uh, and, yeah. and that has to be understood because everything is... Uh, the, the narratives that, that everything um, comes from that well that's the core that's what it is and so yes that if you, you some campaigns are talking about trying to get them to restore an nhs you could never have had an nhs made out of 42 us corporate commercial models that are rewarded to take away an nhs 
to take away universal comprehensive healthcare. They are designed to take it away. That's what they are. You can't, you can tweak them, but you won't, unless you get rid of that, you can't go back to NHS. It's designed to prevent an NHS because an NHS, that is to say, when the state made sure everybody had everything, that was a problem because it wiped out private healthcare. So yeah. that's, the, that's the basic core thing. You have to, for example, if you're gonna outsource beds, you have to cut public beds first. We've had yeah. half our beds cut, uh, you know, more than half. Yeah. And you've got a recording on tape of a US uh, a corporate boss saying, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping that the NHS will continue to cut beds and we'll be the big winner there. It was on dispatches. Yeah. And that's been the process. But the, but the link, it's like that Charlie Chaplin film, The Kid. You have the little boy who smashes the windows and runs off and then he shows up with his glazing kit. And oh, oh, hello, we, we've, you've got a broken window. And, and the fact yeah. is they work together. And, and yeah. there is, yeah. people kind of get that. I mean, in the common, the way it's described, but the focus has been on money so much that people think there's a lot of, oh, they're defunding it so it will fail. And then, you know, in a hundred billion years, they will privatize. Like it's not happened or nothing has happened already. And it and it's it's a process where you, you it happened under huge funding under Blair. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going a bit all over the place, but I think this is a key point that, that you have to, you do have to destroy the service. And that that means you don't get the services you want in order to create those opportunities. And the other stuff is really detailed. Yes. Well, mm. before, uh, Bob has had to leave us, unfortunately. He had uh, something else he had to do at uh, 7.40. Um, so, Gaz, can we just bring in um, the great NHS heist has, um, has worked with a load of comedians to present a comedy night and um it's a gas oh here we go so it's uh frankie boyle joe brand marcus brigstock robin ince rosie jones melinda mccuma jason manford michael rosen nhs campaigners there's unite the union the communication workers union you know the thing is right this is for your entertainment and also to make more mainstream uh, media people who only watch mainstream media will perhaps come along and get their eyes opened so tell your friends tell your family about this event and go to the great nhs heist page on facebook or dr bob gill on twitter and please uh, join in, share share the advert for the event, and please let's make it something that really makes a change, please. Because what are we going to do otherwise? There's very little that as a person you can do, but what you can do is speak up and shout out. The fact that mainstream media do not mention this, the fact that a lot of campaigns that are in the news at the moment or all over your Facebook feed and your Twitter feed saying we're looking for better pay for doctors, better pay for nurses um, and, and things like this, they're not telling you about the actual problem is that the NHS, as we knew it, was never fully realised in the beginning, yes, but it has 
all but disappeared. It's gone. So I think the only way that we stand a chance of stopping this, even though it's the last moments, the only way is by speaking up, isn't it, Nico? Sure. I mean, and, and it, is, it is a challenge, but to to understand what it is we're faced with. So now you're talking about, of course, it's, it's the context. I'm, I'm coming from a language background. You, you know, context makes all the difference to to what somebody's saying and um, the policy context. What are the what are the actual policy goals? Uh, is important, you know, to understand what's happening with all sorts of areas of the health service, including wages. Um, and when when it's not in the mainstream, because no political party is really bringing it up, because all the mainstream parties are, are committed to the same policy program, as a matter of fact, um, although there was that slight movement away from it, there was that movement away from it for a short time, rather, uh, which is during the Corbyn years, and while there was a left-wing Shadow Health Secretary, um, it means you don't hear that context. Yeah. So, you know, you can't blame somebody for trying no, to do the best of what they people. can. You, you're looking for references to figure out where you are in the world, what's going on, what is, why this is happening. And the organizations that are supposed to be, you know, I remember there were some organizations during the junior doctor strike that had told people if they come up on stage and they mention privatization, they're off the stage. That yeah, was you know I think there's probably footage of that um, because there was a point somebody was being pushed off or, or threatened being being you know removed, and the when we Labour did once oppose this did once uh, you know for, at the time of the oh the, when the when Jeremy Act. sorry when Jeremy Corbyn uh, did his NHS um, the opening of his NHS policy um, yeah. the the PLP in fact. Uh, directed reporters to asking questions only about the uh, Virgin Virgin Gate. I was the in the room. Gate. It was horrible. I managed to be in there somehow. Yeah. And the guy from uh, Sky News was, you know, like the worst kind of teenage brat. It's you watch yes. the footage again. Uh, I, uh, Mr. Corbyn, are you a lunatic? And what's the other one? <laughs> that, that and that was. The yeah, company, well, company that, was threatened, that was threatened by both rail renationalization and healthcare renationalization. And and that happened with the support of um, Owen Smith's team. They came out and supporting this line, uh, supported by uh, Ben Nunn, the incisive yes. health lobbyist that then went on to work for Starmer and so on. Um, what we, but I'm going back to the to when you're talking about the service, it's not easy to make the links between uh, you know, or correct accurately make them, and you can make mistakes. And uh, and even from the people who write about it, you just got to get your head around a, a completely different perspective than one that is the, the way the health service is talked about. And and I think among the left, there's a tendency to just say anything. You have speeches, you have some campaigns, celebrities, whatever, and they'll say, "Oh, I remember when I had a bad toe," and oh, and 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 they're not. I mean, there's. And or or at campaign events, people say something, and it's people just there's a tendency to sort of is that in favour of the NHS and you clap and and there's not there's I think I think this was lost when we lost a, the party that was that had once supported the health service when that stopped happening because of the influence of the Labour Party over the wider left you know the wider Labour movement 
the fact that really anti-NHS policy like ACOs, ICSs, that was that the fact that we were even talking about PFI today, which was a hospital building program, is testament, I think, to Blair's capacity to spin. He got the left angry at the fact that the private sector was in their spin helping to create capacity yeah. for the NHS. But as a matter of fact, they were reducing capacity. They were closing about almost three times as many hospitals as they were building. And that has been lost. Yeah. And, and, the, and the sense of the fact that you need to destroy the service. And they did this having worked with uh, uh, United Health and um, Kaiser Permanente and uh, working to introduce what they called integrated care, which they were clear about. They meant the um, the US model, the Kaiser model that is now ICS, which is about rewarding reductions in care. So, um, and, and Jeremy uh, led a, um, a debate about this in parliament against the closure of the Whitting Whittington or threatened closure of, or downgrade yeah. of the Whittington Hospital was part of a London-wide program, which became an England-wide program, and which the author uh, Darcy who was criticized by David Cameron as, you know, David Cameron kept bringing up the fact that he said that the district general hospital is, 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 is coming to an end, in words to that effect. And, and then has. Cameron hired, hired him to be uh, in one of the NHS quangos, along with a bunch of other Blairites who simply continued that. So, yeah. so it's been so cross-party, it was really vital to oppose the labor right at the same time as the Tories on this, because uh, they are, have acted together yeah. And what I'm saying as well is that you end up not hearing the voices that even the voices you used to hear of people protesting against the hospital closure programs because it's framed as lack of staff. And you know you have a hospital that they, they, they will move the staff to another hospital where they, which they intend to keep. And they say, oh, well, we don't have any staff now, so we, so we don't be able to keep this bit open. But, it, but there is, a, in black and white, there were the headlines in the Telegraph and in other press at the time the policy was announced. Oh, a, an A&E closure and downgrade program that's ongoing, which is essential to what's called integrated care, the restructuring where you where you basically take away the unprofitable stuff or the stuff that gets in the way of profit. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think you. I mean, it's Bob says something about you know saying again and again and again. People you, that has an effect, and when you don't hear something again and again and again, you don't hear that the downgrade is happening because uh, it is wanted. To yeah. hear that oh well or that you're told that it's because it's going to be better because it's because it's in the community you know stuff like that and you don't you don't hear what it really is then yes uh it's it's a responsibility to, of, of those of us who can but so should we and talk about it should we list in the last minutes um the people that you can listen to read and see so John Pilger did something about the NHS as well, didn't he? What was his court? Yeah. Um uh the war against the NHS. It was okay. Um <clears throat> they had some they had it, 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 it. he talked about he talked about the thing that Bob mentioned about that he starts off with this was a scene in the US where a woman yeah. is, is left abandoned on the street, you know, patients I don't know what called, kicking people out of bed basically. Yeah. And then he says it's coming to the UK. And that's a really promising start because all this talk talk about bed blocking, you know, yeah. uh potentially maybe the, the pension the people who are people who sent out from hospital to uh retirement homes uh, without being protected from COVID. The yeah. the, the the general program of 
uh, moving care out of hospital. We keep hearing about the the, the mass expansion of we, that was announced not long ago of um, uh, private contracts for uh, at home care. Yeah. All of that wasn't really seen there, or wasn't really understood as being core to what are accountable care organisations. And, and right. but it, it it is. So you had bits and bobs. Sorry, Bob. But you had. So, but you but but it wasn't that clear in the end. Sorry. Um, that's all right. Say, so look, look you've up the done NHS a video as well. Strategy unit. Yeah, I've done a couple of videos. If you want, you can show I've tried. I think they're a bit. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I was trying to condense here into a short time, but if you can, the thing on is right. Telly. Well, the thing is right that I will say something one way, and people who have my same bent mind will understand what I'm saying. You will say it a different way. But people who go with your bent, your mind bend, will understand what you're saying. And Bob will say it in another way. So, who are the people that we can trust? Bob Gill, you, uh, me, I mean, there's a few. Caroline think, Malloy. Yeah, Caroline I mean, Malloy. I, I, you know, has done some. She's a passionate. They've written a lot about. Um, Americanization uh, with evidence. Who was that? The point. There are links to evidence. Public matters. You find them. Public on, matters. On I haven't yeah, heard of um, that one, so that's Stuart, a good one for Stuart me. Um, but also look up the NHS strategy unit uh, on risk and reward schemes because that talks about um, the rewarding of a reduction in care, and uh, it's an NHS document, an official document. Can you can you um, repeat that, that name? I NHS strategy unit. I think the 2018 one goes into more of it and then it's repeated in 2020. But it's core to this. And then, as I said earlier on, you get glimpses of it in the language. But what's happened is this. You have all the people coming around a budget and being paid a, a bit of what they cut. But yeah. the emphasis has been placed on them coming together. And you're supposed to think they're coming together. It must be good for services or it implies that it's improving services. That through Blair from that what you've been saying this stuff. Well, yeah, it's, that it's it's by omission. It's they're not mentioning, they're not emphasizing that they're there to cut, right? Yeah. And so and so they are kind of saying it. You know, Matt Hancock, he basically describes the whole thing except that bit at some point, or um, yeah. you know, so and so you hear bits and pieces. Simon Stevens. Okay. Yeah, they have ways of talking about it and making it sound like it's not negative, <laughs> like it's positive, yes. implicitly positive. Um, yeah, what was it John Ashworth said famously? Um, Simon Stevens has assured me that the NHS is safe. Uh, I, I didn't hear that particular <laughs> one, but but that, yeah, it's absurd. And, and he should have obeyed conference policy, which said oppose what Simon Stevens was doing. But so I would go to... I would go to the original sources. Look up the words Kaiser Permanente in Hansard, and there are a nice few quotes from MPs. Uh, there's a Tory MP under New Labour who says, you know, I think that the kernel of this is a question of honesty because, you know, it might be a good system, this Kaiser Permanente California private provision, but we're not having an honest debate about it because the party opposite knows that they wouldn't have got past the unions or the members if they had. Yeah. And we could have said that now, MPs could have said that now, because it's still not, not being an honest debate about it. It's been talked about in terms of bodies coming together implicitly for, for good, but yeah. the loss of the A&Es, the loss of beds, the loss of, 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 of all that made up, that what we had as a right, a yeah. complete healthcare service for everyone. And is, the social care. Not, not emphasised. Home care, all gone.
unless you can yeah, pay for other, it. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, the a lot of it is moving care out of hospital. That there's a there's a narrative about that, where they're taking out the, the 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 profitable bits and putting them so you don't have to run an acute hospital with unprofitable that has unprofitable parts. You just run the profitable bits separately. But um, I do say, do look at some original sources, but you do need a framework to be able to read them with. So I go again with that definition. It's a bunch of bodies, of you know, organizations with one budget pulled between them and they get a cut, a slice of everything that they cut, which means, you know, your A&E, it means replacing stuff, it's cheaper stuff and so on and yeah. so on and so on. That's what it is. Yeah. And then you can start... Uh, uh, with an emphasis on hospital and cutting hospital care. And then you can start seeing it in the official statements in, you know, it is mentioned, but not in a way that you would know what it is unless you were primed to uh, to, to right. recognise it. So the last seconds, um, oh, we've got a few minutes yet, sorry, um, is who else? Sicko. If anybody hasn't seen Sicko, watch Sicko. Um, but when you watch Sicko, in particular, uh, watch that sequence that I mentioned. Note that that is the same system. Although Nigel Edwards, who was uh, is head of the Nuffield Trust at the moment, I think, and who was uh, part of KG, uh, KPMG. <laughs> Sorry, not KGB. I'm watching too much. Just kind of thing. KPMG. Nothing to do um, with the KP, KGB. They, they're part of, of, of a corporate policy. He was, you know, he's involved with corporate-led policy, and he is also head of the Nuffield Trust. Was saying this looks nothing like. Looks nothing like managed care. Uh, I don't know what he means by it looks nothing like managed care, but it is that. It is where you reward uh, the reduction in care. You see some of that in SICO. People talk yeah. about insurance. Yeah. You get, I think also you need to remember the, because the NHS covered everything, it blocked out the private sector. But what they have in the US, they do have state funded care. That's what the Blairites were copying. That's what uh, Simon Stevens, when he was Blair advisor, he left to United Health saying that what they were doing in Medicare and Medicaid, that the state-funded stuff was more promising than the efforts to copy it here were. That's in The Guardian. And yeah. he, he, that's, so, so when you only make, you make sure as a government that you're providing little, you're providing uh, minimal care, it means that everyone else has to pay for everything else. And that's why you have such a big industry because the state isn't shutting them out by doing everything. And, it, and it also means that because it's not much to do, a, a private company can run it and make a profit out of it because they don't have to do that much. They do an easy jet on it. And do we have any? Had... And do we have any country in Europe that we can look at and say that they have the right blend of uh, private and state care healthcare? Yeah, I think. 1948 britain is a good example because they pulled the private service to f off they they uh, that wasn't the words that bevan used but he said that the, the uh that the, <laughs> he may that well the, have done. The, the harpies that are batting batting down on the sick or battening on the sick something like that the words he used are basically disappearing slow over time because because they created the service they were wiping them out and by providing everybody everything in a way that other european countries haven't managed to do because they don't they're not as they were not as equitative as the pre-market pre-accountable care nhs the pre-1990 nhs so yes there is a good model to look at it's there and uh we all britain has also a lot of good models in housing and so on with their problems but 
that's what's being taken away. We had these things as a right. We don't have to look. We can look somewhere else, but we had something that was actually actually was quite a lot better than you know um, something that's not as equitable, for example. Um, so uh, yeah, that's the right any, blend. Any, Tell them to any last and comments? Provide everything right. and make sure everybody has everything. Huh? You got about three seconds to uh, just name anyone else that we can watch or listen to or read about this. Yeah, don't overload yourself, but try and focus on that. And, uh, you know, Stuart Player is another name. But, yeah. And keep speaking out to your unions, to your doctors, to your MPs, if they'll listen. And your friends and family. Tell your friends and family. And thank you very much, everybody, for, for watching us tonight. And thank you very much to Nico and to Bob for uh, just a fantastic, shocking shocking episode of resist tv thank you good night